the title of this sermon is Itchy Backside, which is what you get when you have to write an SBTC essay in the middle of Chinese New Year. Here in Genesis 8, we see three itchy backsides, the world's, Noah's, and God's. We begin with the world, the first one. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. God pulls the flush and all the flood water goes down the drain. Except it goes down, verse 1, down, verse 3, down again in verse 5. This water takes one year plus to go down the drain. Why so long? <laughs> Friends, God is remaking the world just to save Noah. That's why. Verse 1, God remembers Noah, one guy, and everything changes. That's like God remembering you and stopping COVID, or God hearing your prayer and stopping the war in Ukraine. It's that kind of impact, the Bible is saying, our salvation has on the whole universe. God remembers Noah. That phrase happens 73 times in the Old Testament. God remembers Abraham and saves Lot in Genesis 19. God remembers Israel and saves them in the Exodus. What it's saying is salvation begins in God's mind, in God's heart. He loves you. He chooses you. He decides to save you. And then he acts in such as a way as to make it happen. Even if it means changing the entire world. The spirit blows across the waters, verse 1. The waters above separate from the waters below, verse 2. The earth reappears, verse 3. This is a repeat of Genesis chapter 1. God is recreating the world to save Noah. Not in seven days or seven months, but over a year, meaning it's slow. <laughs> and that's because God is not making earth 2.0, not starting from scratch, but renewing it, renovating it. Fixing something old always takes longer than buying something new. And so God does this with the new creation, but he also does this with us. You know, he takes his time to make us more and more like Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans 8.19 that the whole creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Meaning the whole universe is saying, you need to be saved first before we can. <laughs> Some of us open our newspapers and we say, when is God going to fix that problem or this problem? But you know what creation is saying? When is God going to fix you? <laughs> That God's new creation begins with you by saving you, by changing you to be more and more like Christ. Only after that will he remake the heavens and the earth to be a home for his righteousness. And that's the first backside. Creation is waiting in eager expectation for you and I to be redeemed in Christ. Next, we look at Noah's itchy backside, and this is verse 6. 
At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and he sent forth a raven. Yeah, it went to and fro uh, until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. So, how do you prepare for another lockdown? <laughs> another. Pandemic happens. What do you do? Buy toilet paper. Genesis eight says, "Make sure you have good internet." That's what the raven and the dove is all about. You know, they symbolize ancient Twitter. Noah sends these birds to find out what's going on outside the ark, but they also symbolize what's going on inside Noah's heart. Hanoya, you know, Hanoya is the Hebrew word for dove. You know, it sounds a lot like the word Noah. Hanoya, Noah. Yeah. So whenever Noah sends Hanoya out the boat, it's like a part of him wants to get out of this one-year lockdown. And what we see here is a picture of restlessness versus rest. The raven goes back and forth, always on the move, always looking for rest. And the dove initially does the same in verse nine. It found no place to rest its feet, but then verse twelve, it flies out, doesn't come back. Hanoya, the dove, has found rest, but Noah is still restless in the boat. The ark rests on Mount Ararat, but Noah has not found rest. I wonder. If you've ever felt that way, you know everything around you—it's—it's it's okay. Your job is okay. Your family is okay. But on the inside, the storm is still raging. That's Noah. You know he's saved from the flood. He's saved from death, but he's still searching for that inner peace with God. The ironic thing is Noah's name. Noah's name actually means rest. This is Genesis five twenty nine. Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one Noah shall bring us rest, or bring us Noah. Noah will bring us Noah. In other words, Noah is like Anakin Skywalker, the one prophesied to bring balance to the force, but ends up joining the dark side now. <laughs> Do you realize at this point in Genesis chapter eight? Noah, you know he's safe. He's inside the ark. He's safe, but everything and everyone outside the ark—they're dead. Yeah, he's supposed to bring rest, but everyone dies under this curse. What do you do after a traumatic incident like that? What do you do? I mean, after lockdown, what did you do? You went to watch Spider-Man, which was a good movie. Yeah, but but Noah, what he did. Was verse twenty. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. First thing that Noah did was worship God. Worship God. That says something, friends. The one thing that brought Noah rest was not something inside himself, but outside himself. Was God? It was worshiping God. Augustine. He once said this: "Our hearts are restless 
until they can find their rest in you. The truth is, you know, one year after lockdown, most of us, we went back to the same old, same old routine. You know, everything seems normal on the outside, but on the inside, we're still, we're still restless. We're still searching for that peace, that meaning, that identity. And there's something about coming out of ourselves, maybe even coming out to Lot 10 and spending two hours in a jam, you know, coming out that says, it's not about me, it's not inside of me, but it's all about you, Jesus. This rest can only be found in God. Our hearts are restless, Augustine says, and they will keep on being restless until they find their rest in God. It's in the worship of God, the giving of ourselves to God, that we find that rest, that meaning, that identity that we have been searching for. So that's Noah's itchy backside. Finally, we look at God's Verse 13, in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. First day, first month of Noah's 601st year, meaning, happy birthday, Noah! (laughs) Now, what does Noah do on this 601st birthday of his? He opens the door and he sees, wow, the ground is dry. Fuyo, time to celebrate, man. But the thing is, he stays inside the, the boat. I mean, the door is open. He can see the dry ground with his own eyes. But he waits. (laughs) He waits until he can hear God's voice with his own ears before walking out of the boat. This is verse 14. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. And what we see here, is obedience. This guy does nothing without God's word. By the way, Noah says nothing. (laughs) I wonder if you notice that. He doesn't say a word in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. He's just silent. But God, when God says something, Noah does it. Build a boat, he builds a boat. Go inside the boat, he goes outside the boat, goes inside the boat. And here, God says, come out. And only then does Noah, after two months of waiting, only then does Noah walk outside of the boat. Everything that Noah does, it's about obeying God. It's about pleasing and worshiping God. And we saw this in verse 20. And then Noah built this altar to the Lord. He took some of the clean animals, some of the clean birds, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now what he does is he takes these animals and he barbecues them into bakwa. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, he says this, common sense would tell you not to waste them, but grace, grace told Noah to slay them. I really like this saying, you know, meaning this does not make sense. 
You know, you saved these animals. You need these animals to repopulate the earth. But what do you do? Chop, 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 chop. Make bakwa. <laughs> Verse 21. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing or the restful or the Noah aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And all this, it's meant to build up to the fact that the world is at rest. Noah is at rest. But God, you know, God still needs to find rest in verse 21. And he does this by smelling this sacrifice. <laughs> he smells it and in his rest he says, never again. Meaning, the unrest of God results in judgment, but the rest of God results in our salvation. Never again will he curse the ground. My auntie uh, read this sermon <laughs> and she said, everything you wrote makes sense. The only thing I can't agree with is the title, Ichi Backside. <laughs> Especially when you include God. Sorry, sorry, auntie. Yeah, yeah, friends, you know, the most offensive part of your body, from God's perspective and God's eyes, the most offensive thing about us is not your mouth, it's not even your backside, it's actually your heart. Your heart, every intention of my heart, it's evil from young to old. You know, the world might have its problems. Noah has his problems. But what we see here, well, let me put it this way. How many of us turn up today thinking, actually, God, God has a big problem with the sin that's inside my heart. In fact, something needs to die for me to find this rest that I'm looking for. In Noah's case, you know, it's the clean animals. But for us, it's Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross pleases God that no sacrifice can compare. And what we offer up to God in our worship today, it's Him. You know, it's not our sacrifice, it's Him. It's not even our obedience, it's actually Jesus. And theologians, they, he, they call this the Noahic covenant. And a covenant is a promise with a sign. And the sign that God gives us to mark this first ever covenant in the Bible are the seasons. Verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall never cease. And what this sounds like to me, at least, it sounds like a lot like a marriage contract, you know, in good times and bad, in sickness and in health. And what this means is this covenant that God made to Noah, you know, it still applies today. You know, whether you woke up today, whether it's shining or it was raining, whether you had traffic jam or kaya jam, each new day, you know, each cycle is a sign that God's promise, it still rings true. It still stands. And what God is doing is, is he's holding back a judgment that we deserve so that we can receive a forgiveness that we do not deserve, a forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. 
In other words, God is waiting for you. You might think that you are waiting for God and waiting for God to do something to prove himself to you. But Genesis 8 is saying to us that God is actually waiting for you. He's waiting for you to turn back to him. He's waiting for you to find your rest, your meaning, your identity in him. Uh, Jesus Christ once said to us, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Uh, thank you, Father. And we confess that um, our hearts are restless and they continue to be restless until they can find their rest in you. Help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shh.